following audio is from Crossroads Church in West Ossipee, New Hampshire. For more information about Crossroads Church, you can go to www.crossroadsossipee.com. Good morning. Good to see so many familiar faces. I um, want to take a minute and connect with some of you because uh, I've just known you for a long time and I really appreciate uh, this church. But uh, Pastor Heath and I go way back um, to um, elementary school. His grandmother lived across the street from me and so we'd, we'd uh, play together and um, one time we were wrestling and I, we, we uh, got rolling down a hill and he swears I almost broke his leg, but uh, <laughs> we, uh, we had a lot of good times together growing up. Um, I've known Harlan and Kathy for a long time. I sang in the choir with uh, their daughter Kristen. And uh, we did uh, some musicals and sound of music and different things together. And eventually with uh, Carol Ann when she got up into high school. Um, and so I had some good times. And uh, Joel was a camper while, when I was a director and counselor at Mechanic Falls Camp. And just loved the, the Brown family and have known them for a long time. And uh, John Aaron and his daughter, Glenna, and I went to Gordon College together all four years, and I was really good friends with uh, Paul, uh, who they ended up getting together. And one time we uh, came and did a presentation and drove all the way up here and slept, I don't know, slept in that church somewhere, I guess, but uh, we, had a, we had a great time with that and uh, really have enjoyed knowing Paul and Glenn over the years. Uh, Nate and I have been doing uh, Antioch School together, so uh, that's uh, been a a great joy for me to uh, work with him uh, over the last couple of years. Uh, And uh, the Gaiasons back here, who uh, Lisa's not here, but um, uh, I... I'm related to Lisa, formerly Gaiason, okay, and so got a got a connection there through through marriage by marriage through family. So uh, that's that's pretty neat connection as well. And um, then this past year, my son Brandon went to Bix and was a roommate with Zach Fanouf. So we've uh, we've got connections all over the place, and it's just really exciting to know that. Uh, we're a part of the family of God, but it, uh, it's, a, it's a small world after all, right? And uh, <laughs> we've, got, we've got some wonderful connections and uh, relationships uh, all over the place. Uh, and uh, just appreciate all of those and, and each one of you. So the uh, role of superintendent is one that I've been serving in now. It'll be nine years this fall, October-ish. And before that, I was a pastor in Port Clyde, America. That's on the coast of Maine, and uh, that's what they like to go by. Uh, And so I I pastored a small fishing village church for about six years, and um, 
It was a great experience being there, and uh, our potlucks were the best anywhere. <laughs> Shrimp casseroles and lobster stews, and oh my goodness, it was great. Um, and crab meat sandwiches. And yeah, I'm trying. It was a great experience there in that, that little uh, fishing village. Before that, I served at the... Uh, Oxford, Maine, Advent Christian Church, where I grew up, and so have still have a lot of family there, and um, wonderful connections um, there throughout many years. Um, so I was there as the uh, the youth pastor, then I then I served as pastor, and now as superintendent. And each step of the way, God has always been with me to, to lead and guide uh, in all, uh, all these areas of ministry. I certainly could not and would not attempt to do it without him because uh, he's been faithful in providing uh, all that I needed. And in this role of superintendent, there we have about 70 churches, 70, the number keeps changing, but 70 to 72 churches uh, across the region and about 100 pastors. And so I try to get around and, and visit and preach and encourage and attend conference meetings and pastor retreats and all kinds of things, make myself available when churches are in between pastors and help identify and find uh, good pastoral leadership when it's needed, and um, a host of other responsibilities and hats that I wear as well. And so, um, glad glad to be able to serve uh, each of our pastors and churches in whatever way they they may uh, need uh, some help along the way. <clears throat> So if you have other questions, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that, but uh, it's, a, it's a wonderful role, and I, I certainly appreciate that uh, broader ministry um, to serve many churches and many, many people um, while um, uh, I enjoyed being in a local church, uh, I, I really enjoy being able to travel and uh, serve the broader family of God as well, our network of churches. Today I, I want to share with you a message about being the bride of Christ. And uh, I want to start with a couple of... It's not your traditional format for a sermon, but I'm going to start with a couple of illustrations, and then we're going to walk through some Scripture passages, and I hope that you'll... Um, see where I'm going by the time we get there. But when um, um, Missy, my wife, first started attending the Oxford uh, Advent Christian Church, I was a junior, end of my junior year, maybe my senior year in high school. And anytime, I don't know about you, Young, younger high school age people, but anytime another high school age person starts attending your church, you immediately take notice, okay? The radar goes up and you say, whoa, who's that? <laughs> right? Um, and so 
I, I took notice right away of, um, of uh, this new young lady, and um, we, we hung out a couple of times, but I knew I was going away for, from college, and so didn't, didn't really get too serious or anything like that. Uh, went to Gordon for four years and um, spent most of my summers away doing different types of ministry. And so we didn't really reconnect until I graduated from college and moved back to Maine. My father owned a, uh, a place up in northern Maine on Moosehead Lake called Pittston Farm. And a lot of people go up there to hunt and fish and snowmobile and all those kinds of things. And um, so I, until I, could, I thought I was going to find a youth ministry position or a pastoral position, you know, I'd get a phone call when I got my diploma. Oh, here you go. You know, got a whole list of jobs for you. Well, it didn't work out quite that way. Uh, maybe it worked out that way for you, but it uh, didn't for me. So I, I uh, struggled for a while to find the right ministry uh, position. And so I went and worked for my dad for a while and uh, washed dishes, cooked in the kitchen, uh, worked with, uh, he had some, some uh, draft horses and things on this farm that was out in the woods, and it was set up like a logging camp, which is what it had historically been. And um, so I, my cousin invited Missy to come up and spend the weekend to kind of help me out. <laughs> And uh, so she invited uh, Missy, and, and uh, Missy and I reconnected. And my dad was also trying to help me out, too, I guess, because he offered her a job right there on the spot. <laughs> and so she ended up moving up, and he set her up with her own cabin and a, and a job running the cash register and everything. And so we, we, we um, I guess, dated for for quite a while while we worked together in the kitchen. And after about six months or so, I figured if we can work in a kitchen together for 10 or 12 hours a day, we could probably make a marriage work, <laughs> right? So uh, I asked her dad if I could marry his daughter. And uh, her dad is this, uh, he's only about yay big, but I'm afraid of him. <laughs> he's a little truck driver bulldog of a guy, you know, and uh, so he, uh, he, he certainly, uh, put the fear of God in, in me. Um, and, uh, but he was, he was, uh, really good about, about me asking and we, we talked about it and, uh, he and his wife, uh, gave their blessing. And so I got a ring and, and, um, gave it to her on New Year's, uh, midnight. Uh, it's about as romantic as I get, so I uh, did my best, right? <laughs> um, and uh, she said, yes, and you know, what's the first thing we decided we needed to do was, let's, let's pick a date. When are we going to do this? And, and then where and, you know, all the details is uh, what what's, you start processing detail. I do at least start thinking about uh where, when, how, and, and all those types of things. And so we decided to have the wedding there at the Pittston Farm in the springtime because it, uh, the whole place kind of shuts down. 
And uh, my dad said we could have the wedding there. And there, there sleeps about 100 people in, uh, in this lodging. Like, uh, it's kind of rustic, but it's, it's a great place. And so we were able to invite 100 people for the whole weekend. So it's, we started on Friday, and we went through, had the wedding on Saturday, and um, Sunday morning had church together, and on uh, Sunday afternoon, most you know everyone took off and went home. And so we had a limited number of guests that we could invite, and um, we invited all all the family and as many of our friends as we could. And then this one extra wedding crasher showed up, named. Heath Keniston. And Heath says, I don't care if you invite me or not, I'll sleep on the couch, but I'm coming to your wedding. <laughs> so, uh, so Heath showed up, and I was so glad that he did. It, it was, um, it's one of those things we still laugh and joke about, but um, uh, we, we, had a, we had a great time. Um, and so... That's a that's a quick version of our wedding, you know. Uh, every everyone's probably got a story. Everyone's probably got a little different uh, take on it. But culturally, here in North America, it's probably similar to what a lot of us uh, know of a wedding. You know, where you, you might ask the parents, you pick a date and a, and a place, and you you. Um, uh, have have the the get together and the the reception afterwards, right? And and whatever, and so we we culturally understand what a wedding is like uh, here in in North America. Just uh, three four weeks ago, uh, I was in India, uh, traveled to Chennai doing some missions work, and found out that. While a lot of the uh, young people there are now choosing their own mate, <laughs> they still follow, many of the families still follow a um, process of, um, think of the word, um, what is it? Arranged marriages, yes, thank you. And so they, uh, there was a, more than one young lady I met that I was trying to set up for my guys, but uh, and I, I think they might have gone for it too. But uh, uh, my guys weren't so hot hot on the idea when I got home and told them about it. <laughs> so um, you know the the whole idea of uh, arranged marriages is common in in India. Maybe not so much here. One of the folks. He's a pastor and uh, had dinner at his house, and he told us the story of how he and his wife first met. And he said that the first time he ever spoke to his wife was after the wedding ceremony. Can you imagine? First time he'd ever spoken to her after the wedding ceremony. <laughs> and uh, that's just kind of, because it's not... It's not normal for us in our culture, right? It's it's foreign to our thinking, um, but to their way of thinking, 
that, that was more common. Lots of people maybe had experienced that. And um, I, I love the, uh, uh, the old musicals, right? And how many of you have ever seen The Fiddler on the Roof? Tradition, tradition, right? And uh, they were used to that type of thinking of, of uh, being given in marriage. Uh, it was culturally relevant for them. Well, in, in Jesus' day and age, they had cultural norms that we don't have today, okay? Things that in their culture, they would have understood that may not make as much sense to us, like some of those examples I just gave you. Uh, so I want to tell you what, what their wedding ceremony would have been like in Jesus' day. And then I want to look at some scripture passages that, re, that refer to um, Jesus making reference to Christian um, merit, wedding and marriage passages. So in, in Jesus' day, remember they had, uh, throughout the Old Testament, followed the, uh, the 12 tribes and the, tr- and the land of the 12 tribes was passed from within the tribe from, from um, family to family. So it stayed. Like if you were of the tribe of Dan, you were going to live in that tribal area your whole life. That's, that was expected that you would remain a part of that tribe and that family and uh, uh, that you would be connected through that your whole life. Um, and a, a young lady that marries in would would join her f- husband's tribal group or be from be from that group to begin with. <clears throat> so they they would have had an arranged marriage at Jesus in Jesus time where the two sets of parents agree upon a good match and they would have had a, a dowry so the family that's giving away their daughter is losing a great asset to their family someone who would have contributed to the family um, you know the work ethic and and taking care of the household and all the things that uh, the ladies would have done to contribute uh, to the family home. And so they're losing that, that asset, that the wonderful daughter. And so they would, they would have received something in return from the groom's family who would have given them something. Um, and the, that would have been provided by the groom's father. Then they would have like an engagement and they, it would be a legally binding uh, agreement between the two parties. And today, whenever we have a, uh, an agreement, right, we're going we're gonna to purchase a, a car. You go sign, you've got a stack of paperwork and you sign your name about 20 times and 
and now the bank owns your car and you get to drive it, and, <laughs> right? Or a house or whatever it is that you're, you're purchasing or whatever legal document, if it's adoption or, or your, uh, a purchase agreement or any of those types of things require us to sign our name. And that signature indicates your responsibility to um, be faithful in what you agreed to as the as the agreeing the two agreeing parties in the in Jesus day they didn't have photocopiers they didn't have triplicate right they didn't have all these things and so they they didn't even have pen pen and ink to sign with so what they would do is they would drink a cup of wine together in front of the elders at the city gate. And uh, Nate's been to Israel. He's been to some of those city gates. And uh, those city gates are important because they keep people out. <laughs> but they also serve as the, the seat where decisions are made, okay, uh, where important things happen. And so the, the two families would have had one cup of wine, they would have shared it, and they would have had witnesses who would have observed this uh, drinking of the, of the cup. Well, after, after this takes place, then the, they can't go plan the date yet, <laughs> right? Because that would be the next step for us. Let's, let's go get married. This is exciting. But that's not the next step for them. They, the, the new groom has to provide a home for his bride. He has to provide a place for them to raise a family and for them to, to, uh, to, to live together. And so that would be on the, the family property. And the, the family would uh, either provide a piece of land where he would build a new home or a place for an addition. And um, I don't know if you've ever seen um, like the Amish, and they'll add on, right? Or um, uh, other, other types of groups of people, and they'll, they'll have mother-in-law apartments, or they'll, they'll have whatever uh, additions onto the family property so that they can add more family. Well, this is in Hebrew. This is called an insula, and that's an addition onto the house for others to to live in. And the son had to build that, or or work to have it built. Okay, and until that work was done, and the father signed off on it, saying, "Good job, son. You you, you got everything." <coughs> he couldn't get married. So he had to make sure that, that he made it to dad's specifications. You know, the, the ladder's going to hold, the roof's not going to fall in, right? All these things had to be just so. And then when dad said, good job, son, you've done, you've done it, let's get the family together. And so they'd gather all the family, they'd gather uh, all their friends and they would um, start a parade, basically, okay? And they'd start marching down the street. 
going to the girl's house. And as they went, what do you think they did? I wish you had a shofar or something, right? Any of you, can any of you blow a, a ram's horn? <laughs> I can't, but uh, I'm sure there's somebody who could. Anyway, they, they, blow the, they blow the ram's horn. They'd beat the drum. They'd make noise. They, this is a celebration. We're excited. We're going to have a party. And it was a big deal. And so they, they would um, uh, make all kinds of noise as they're going down the street to the girl's house. And the girl is like, <gasps> someday my prince shall come, right? You know? This, is this for me? <laughs> is this my, my groom coming for me? Because she didn't know. Can you imagine, girls? You don't know what, when he might show up. <laughs> Could be any day. Might not be for another six months. We don't know. But um, she's she's got to be kind of in a state of, of preparedness. Like, do we have enough food in the house? Uh, is everything picked up? <laughs> Does the house look okay? <sighs> you know, how do I... How do I smell? How do I look? <laughs> All these people may be coming to the house. I hear this wedding party coming. It could be for her. It could be for the girl down the street. She doesn't know. But uh, if it is for her, then the groom's family comes in and they have a, the wedding ceremony and the two families celebrate together uh, anywhere from three days to a week. They might they might have uh, feasts and celebrations and and do all the these uh, party games and dancing and all these things that they would do together to celebrate the connection between these two families and as this young couple starts their new life together. So it was very exciting uh, as they began. And then finally, once all the celebrating is done, this new husband gets to take his wife to the new house that he's built for her. I don't know if you've ever built anything with your own hands and given it as a gift to someone, something really special. One year for Christmas, I made my wife a jewelry box out of cedar, and I lined it all with, like, this velvet, red velvet, and I put a mirror in the top. I cut, like, routered it out, you know, the whole nine yards. took me forever to get that thing done. (laughs) But when I gave it to my wife, boy... I've never made another one, but it was pretty special, you know. Uh, it was it was uh, it was a big deal to give that gift because I'd worked a lot, long time on that, a lot of hours. Can you imagine now getting to carry your new bride across the threshold to your new home that you're going to have together for the rest of your lives, and raise your family, and have kids? And, and, and all your hopes and dreams are going to be lived out together in this new home. And just the, the joy <laughs> that's just bursting forth as you bring them um, to start this new life together. And so they, uh, they're able to start this new life. Um, and so... Let me um, let me rewind the tape a little bit. That's that's kind of what Jewish people. When you if you said wedding, 
that's what they're going to picture. <laughs> they're not going to picture things that we do, you know, where we rent a hall and, uh, you know, <laughs> send out the invitations and, and all that, because everyone lives locally. <laughs> so they're just going to grab everyone on the street and, and go to the party. So it was very, very different culturally. <clears throat> and um, the, first, the first thing is the payment of the bride price. And there's a couple of passages, but I want to share with you. Uh, I'm going to read through these quickly because there's a lot of them. You can write them down or you can uh, try to follow along if you'd like. But First uh, Peter 1, 18 to 20 says, For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. Why do you think I picked that verse? What, what did Jesus do with his blood? <laughs> That's right. He poured it out for us. That was the bride price. Isn't that awesome? He paid for us. He paid for each and every one of us that, that bride price. He is our groom. We are his bride. And he paid the price, the penalty for our sins on Calvary that we might be forgiven and have that new life. But it, it had to be paid for, and Jesus did that for us. Secondly, the engagement was as serious as marriage, and breaking an engagement required a divorce. After agreeing to the bride price, the couple would drink a glass of wine together. Luke twenty two twenty says, In the same way after supper, he took the cup and said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. So, the new covenant that Jesus had for them was an agreement. Covenant means agreement, okay? And the agreement that they had was, Jesus says, like if you go back to Abraham, they had a covenant. The, the covenant there was, I will bless you, and he lists all the blessings. There's like five blessings. If you obey me. Okay? So there was, there was my part and your part. I'll do my part if you do your part. In the new covenant that Jesus makes with his people, he says, I will bless you. I will forgive you. I will give you eternal life. And... I will live a perfectly obedient life and pay the price for you. That's why we call it good news, folks. Right? Because he says, I'm going to bless you and pick up the tab. <laughs> I'm, going to, I'm going to do both parts. You don't have to do anything. If we did, we'd be earning our salvation. But we don't have to because he's already paid for it. All we need to do is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and receive his free gift of mercy. It's just He just wants to pour that out on us and for us. It's, it's a wonderful, wonderful promise and a wonderful uh, 
covenant agreement between us and our father and our groom. Third is that the groom would return to the father's household and prepare a place for his bride by adding on to the family home. John 14, 1 through 4 says, Do not let your hearts be troubled, but trust in God and trust also in me. In my father's house, this is probably familiar, right? But think about it in this cultural context. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you may also be where I am. For you know the way to the place where I am going. Think about that. Just like the groom in the story, he goes away and says, I need to go prepare a place for you. I'm going to add on to my father's home a place for us, a place for you to come and live. And I will come back for you someday and then take you to be with me. So that's that's awesome because here we have this passage that's saying Jesus has gone, he's making a home for you and for me, and he's coming back to earth to gather up his waiting bride, the church, those who love him and call on him's name. And he's going to bring us into God's presence, into the, the new, new heavens and new earth to enjoy our, our new life with him. And it's going to be a wonderful thing. The fourth thing point that I would show you is that the bride had to remain in a state of expectation not knowing when her groom would come okay so she had to constantly be like maybe he's coming today maybe he's coming tomorrow but I'm going to be ready no matter what day it is and uh, I'm not going to read this whole thing word for word but in Acts 25 it talks about the ten virgins And five had enough oil in their lamps, and five didn't. And the five that didn't said, share with us some of your oil. And the five that had enough said, if we share with you, we may run out also. Go and buy your own oil before it's too late. And so the five left, and the five that had enough had stayed. And when the groom showed up, he invited them in. And they were invited to be a part of the, 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 the wedding supper. And the ones that, were, that didn't have enough were left outside because they weren't ready. And there's, Jesus is making a point there that we need to be ready. We need to be prepared. We can't say, well, you know, I'll get ready. When, once Jesus shows up, then I'll get ready. Yeah, well, <laughs> If, if only it worked that way, right? But it doesn't. He says, he says we've got to prepare our hearts now for the day when he comes. <clears throat> the fifth thing is that Jesus' coming and the celebration of 
the blowing of the trumpets that will accompany that. Uh, we see that uh, portrayed in, in 1 Thessalonians 4, 14 to 17, where it says, this is a very popular um, funeral verse, but it has a lot of wonderful meaning for us, especially uh, as Advent Christians. But it says, we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command and with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the cloud to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. And so in this passage, we see where Jesus comes back to gather his people. Okay? The groom returns. Amen? That's an ex- most exciting day this world will ever <laughs> experience when those angels blow those trumpets and it says every eye will see him and every knee will bow when when Jesus comes on those clouds of bright glory and um, gathers up his people and uh, we we are looking forward to that day and he's going to call up the dead in Christ and those of us who are still alive to meet him in the air together uh, as um, as believers in him. Sixth is that the son doesn't know when, but God alone knows the day or the hour. And um, many, many of us Maybe not us, but many have made that mistake. <laughs> uh, William Miller, uh, some of the folks down south, they, a few years back they had these big billboard campaign of um, you know, that Jesus is coming back at a certain date or time or whatever, okay? There's two verses here that say no man knows the hour. Nobody knows when. The point isn't for us to know and guess, because if we knew the time, if he wanted us to know the time, he would have just told us, right? And if we knew the time, we'd put it off, put it off, put it off, put it off, right? Knowing what good procrastinators we all are. <laughs> and say, well, I'll, I've still got some time. I can live however I want to live. I can be as wild as I want to be, because this is the date. We're not given a date, Right? What we are given is the, the this concept that we need to live in a state of expectation. We need to live every day ready for his return. In case you know, maybe it's today, maybe it's tomorrow, but I want to be living my life in such a way that that I'm honoring God every day that I live. <laughs> every day that I draw breath, I want my life to matter for him. And for his honor and for his glory, uh, and not and not try to play some kind of games with God, 
Uh, it's not what it's all about. And so we see that um, in Mark 13:32 and in Matthew 24:42. Uh, both those verses say something like this. No one knows the day or the hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. And the other one says, Therefore keep watch, because you do not know what day the Lord will, will come. The Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect Him. Seventh is that we are, should notice in this elaborate teaching that we see in so many verses all through the New Testament, that the key to the whole thing is Jesus coming back for his bride. If the bride is already in the house with him, how does that work? <laughs> right? So we believe that that we um, are, once we, we die, we are buried and we are awaiting his return, buried until he comes and raises, like I talked about in Thessalonians, the dead in Christ. Uh, and that's one of the, the teachings of the Advent Church, but uh, it certainly uh, finds um, a lot of scriptural backing here. And uh, Revelation 19, 6-9 says, Hallelujah! For our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give Him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come and His bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of the saints. And then the angel said to me, Write, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, these are the true words of God. And the final um, scriptural point I'll make, and then I'll wrap it up with some application, but number eight says, our new insula will be on the earth made new in the holy city and the new Jerusalem where we will live perfectly with Christ forever. And we see that in Revelation 19, 6 through 9, Revelation 21, 2 through 5. And uh, this is just a great, great passage in Revelation 21. It says, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them and be their God, and he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. And then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. What, what a great, great text there. You think of all the suffering in this world. You think of, uh, we've got uh, earthquakes, and we've got uh, hurricanes, and we've got 
cancer and illnesses and wars. <laughs> there, there's, there's so much that, that is just evil and that's uh, destructive going on in this world. And yet God is planning to take all that away. He says he's going to wipe every tear. He's going to make all things new. He's going he's to give us a perfect place to live and be in his presence forever. Uh, that's good news too. <laughs> and if you know Jesus, then you know what I'm talking about. You know that, that he is alive and that he, his promises are true and they last forever. And uh, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, uh, I just want to invite you to consider, even today, talking to me or one of the elders about what it means to put your faith in this God and to have a greater understanding of this good news that I've been talking about. Why do I need to be ready every day? <laughs> what's this all about? What's, what's this wedding and, and all this? Um, I don't know about you guys, but um, I didn't grow up dreaming about my wedding day. Uh, honeymoon, maybe. But wedding day, you know, details, white dresses, all that, not so much. Okay. Um, but even though that's a hard concept for many of us to think about, I am a bride of Christ. <laughs> um, that's hard for, for us as guys to think, oh, you know, I'm going to get excited about being the, a bride. Think of it this way. When, um, when, when Jesus says, how can I put this in context where every person of every culture, every age, every generation throughout all of human history is going to know how much I love them. How else can I portray that in a better way? <laughs> Can't, right? The love that a husband has for his wife, that he would die for her, that he would just love her and embrace her and, and, and put her first, that's a self-sacrificing kind of love that I think... Jesus wanted us to understand that's the kind of love he has for us as a groom for his, for his bride. And he wants us as, as people to understand that's the kind of love he has for all of us. Whether you're a guy or a girl, or it doesn't matter, young or old, God loves you. Jesus loves you, and he wants to... Uh, to have that kind of long-lasting relationship with you where he would give anything to pursue you, to spend eternity with you, to um, add on to his home <laughs> so we can come and be with him. You ever thought about that? Who am I? Right? You know, we like to pretend a lot that we're really something special at work or and our families. And in the big scheme of things, who am I really? <laughs> and yet the God of the universe who made all the stars and planets, 
He says, I love you and you and you and you. And I love you so much I'm gonna build a an addition I'm gonna build a mansion addition on so you can come and be with me forever. Wow. That's an awesome. And so as I close, I just just wanna encourage you that that this is the kind of love that Christ has for each and every one of us. And if you already know that and understand it and you get it, then share it. <laughs> you know? Take this story and share that good news. And if you don't, then talk to one of us. You know, we'd love to explain it further. We'd love to help you come to an understanding of how much Christ loves you and and uh, how you can know that you have a forever relationship with him. I'll invite the, the worship team if you want to come. If you would like to participate in the mission of Crossroads Church through financial support, Checks can be mailed to Crossroads Church, Post Office Box 576, West Ossipee, New Hampshire, 03890.